Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Red-Headed Preacher Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm Richard Lanford. I get to be the Red-Headed Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. And this Sunday is January 14th, 2024, the Sunday of the Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday holiday. This is the Sunday before it, and it's actually the day before what would have been his 95th birthday. And this, uh, so the sermon is really rooted in 1 Samuel as well as Romans, but uh, if you know me, you'll know that I'm going to include some, some words from uh, Reverend Dr. King in, in the sermon. Uh, so I hope you'll enjoy that as I enjoyed finding them and uh, putting them in. The message, I think, will be clearer than some sermons you may have heard. Um, I enjoyed writing it. I think that sometimes you can listen to a sermon and wonder what was he trying to say, what was she trying to say. This one should spare you that. I'm glad to be able to bring you one of these. And I just uh, know you won't be surprised that one of my styles is to try to apply a lesson both on a smaller scale and on a more of a macro, larger society scale. And I'm going to be doing that too. The lectionary, which I'm following right now, had a different epistle lesson. And when I realized that I was going to be incorporating some of the spirit of the King holiday, I realized I needed to change it. So I, I pulled out the one that I was going to go with and put in the Romans 12 passage, which I think is much more appropriate, and uh, I'll elaborate on that and apply it to our holiday, too. So, without any uh, further talking, I'm going to stop right here, and the next voice you hear will be our lector, who should be Mark Loach. Take it away, Mark. In the Old Testament reading this morning, the priest Eli perceives that young Samuel is hearing God call to him, even though the boy thinks it is Eli. God is about to speak to you and me in the words you will hear from the Bible, <clears throat> so let us prepare ourselves in the spirit of prayer. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we are your servants and we want to listen. Give us attentive minds and open hearts so that like fertile fields, our spirits will receive the seeds of your word. Grant that you continue to move within us and amongst us, so that the seeds you plant will grow into deeds of love and mercy. This we ask in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. The first reading is, is from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Samuel has been brought to the priest Eli, to grow up as a servant of the Lord. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, <clears throat> where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel, 
Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again, a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This ends the reading from 1 Samuel. Today we are going to listen to two passages from the Hebrew Scriptures. The second one is Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6, and then verses 13 through 18. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. And now verses 13 through 18. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. This ends the reading from Psalm 130. Our final epistle reading today is from Paul's letter to the Church of Rome, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. But take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This ends the reading from Romans. Here ends the reading of the scriptures for this morning's service. May God grant us a wise and generous understanding of this, the word of God for the people of God.
Have you sensed or heard God calling you to something, into something? Or perhaps call you away from something or someone? I like to hear call stories. I find the story of my call to ordained ministry hard to articulate. Not that all call stories are about ordained ministry. Heaven help us if that were the case. Persons can get called by God. Congregations, denominations, and yes, even nations can be called by God for certain purposes. We must be careful about those, however, since they're easily claimed to justify and sanctify whatever mischief a nation or national movement wants to do unto others, as is the case with Christian nationalism. Fewer calls are more dramatic in Scripture, it seems, than those in Scripture, excuse me. Samuel's call from the Lord to be one of God's prophets is one of the most remarkable. And it helped that Eli figured it out and told the youth what to do. I was especially struck last week when I saw, so Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there. That wasn't in the first three times. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before. I guess by then the Lord did not want to leave anything to chance. I could do a whole sermon about God's call, and I'm sure I have many times in the past. It is the backdrop to this sermon that God calls you, me, and St. Peter's, and the universal Christian church to be the body of Christ on earth and members of it. What struck me as much this time is what came along with this story. So what did Eli tell his young protege to say after hearing God call him? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Well, how often do you or I think of ourselves as servants, servants of God? I mean, we're not Samuel, we're not Isaiah, but I think it's a helpful way to think about ourselves when humility and love and faith live together within us. Who are you and me? Who is St. Peter's? Servants of God. And if you go to the Greek, Servants is the soft translation. Usually when it says servants in English, it's really slaves in the Greek. Ye servants of God, your master proclaim. It's a posture of helpfulness. It's a position of God being the head honcho, and there's not a democracy. It's a position of neediness. Servants are not independent beings, but depend on the reliability and the temperament and especially the resources of the master. We, in turn, are counted on to be of genuine service, reliable and ready. We know who we are before God and Christ. God created us. We even referred to it in the prayer of dedication. We know God loved us first. We believe Jesus gave his life for us and rose again in power over death and sin for us and for the world. God, the grace of Christ, it is an honor 
to be called one of Jesus' servants, so great and compassionate was his own service to the human race. Fulfilling the servant songs of Isaiah, Jesus was, we interpret, as the suffering servant. And now this very same God bestows the title of servant upon all who will respond to God's grace with gratitude. It's a privilege to be a servant of God. You want me to be one of your servants? It gives us worth for God to call us to serve the one who so served us. And how often do you and I think of ourselves, though, and and think of our church as God's beloved servants? When we believe and remember that it's a privilege to be of service, the tedium and stress that can surely come from serving Christ in the church might lighten. It may not be fun, it may not be exciting, but as servants, we're honored that God has so needed us and wanted us where we are. But further, we know that God's call to us can change. We are not necessarily called to always do the same things forever. Like our role, R-O-L-E, like our role in our family system can change, We may not always be the peacemaker or the clown or the educated one or whatever role in our family system we have. Our role in our family system can change. So too can the service to which God calls us change. Speak for your servant is listening. Listening. Almost a lost art, especially among the politically polarized who've made up their minds that they alone have the truth. I will always recall that when the Reverend Mark West, the son, one of the sons of the late Reverends Dick and Janice West, gave a presentation, presentation at St. Nikolai, uh, he told us and taught me as a young man that when someone is talking to us, telling a story or sharing a belief they hold, so often we do not really listen but instead are busy coming up with what we're going to say in reply when she or he is finished. That's not really listening. I still find myself a little guilty of that decades later. When we believe the holy is addressing us, it's best not to run program of what we're going to say in reply. Just listen. Hold a still center. Maintain eye contact if that helps. It's not easy for some of us to really listen. It's a gift some of you have. It's a skill that can be developed if it's not an automatic gift. And gifts, of course, can be developed. Those who listen well make good conversationalists who have a give and take in discussion neither dominating nor letting you do all the talking. They receive what you have to say, even if they later disagree. They let you finish. You and I can be so, and I'm talking to myself here as well as anyone else, you and I can be so impatient to get our question out, to get our knowledge in or our wit in edgewise, but as God's servants, our posture is best suited to the service of listening first. Servants 
listen. Love is calling. Calling to us, but not only to us. Calling to those whom God needs to be prophets of our day. Prophets telling the truth in love. Love is calling to all God's servants who grieve over inequalities, over the poor stewardship of the planet and our resources, over how non-hetero and trans persons are treated, and much more, calling us, calling to us that we cannot abandon or shortchange the power of love, our soul power, regardless of hardship, circumstance, entrenched injustice or animosity towards the faith. From love comes movements for righteousness, peace, health, reconciliation, and community. From Jesus comes the reminder to the servants that love is the greatest commandment, our identifying mark as his people. And this love is written about in Paul's letter to the church in Rome. I love this collection of verses we heard Mark read. On this Sunday, before we mark the 95th birthday of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., may we hear some of his spirit in words like these from Paul, words grounded in sacred love. We heard Mark read, Let love be genuine. Serve the Lord. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. Never avenge yourselves. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And we live out this love that calls to us in lots of personal ways. We answer the call of love by being present. There's a whole approach to ministry, and not just pastoral ministry, that's called the ministry of presence. Love as being there with someone facing loneliness. Being at the bedside of someone who's very sick or in hospice. Present with a grieving friend. Listening to someone open up about their problems or their depression, letting them get it out which can be a help. These and so many more ways are you and I listening servants, and we hear and answer the call of love to love without drawing attention to ourselves nor desiring recognition. We answer love's call when we do what needs to be done to help our aging, declining parents or elders move into a safer space or run some errands, or advocate for them with the healthcare system. That's love. And we answer love's call in other ways, when we contribute to what we need to buy the groceries for the meal at the serve, so we serve at the community kitchen, when we buy the diapers and other necessities for the Sunday school advent project for newborns and their parents at the food pantry, when we, grow, when we show up to help at the rummage sale, which benefits everyone, when we pray for one another, maybe it's in the privacy of a room in our house, and when we pray for this church, which I hope we all do. And if you know me, I'm not going to ignore the larger ways, 
as we listening servants hear and answer the call to love. When you and I are surrounded by news of the not good, of gun violence, domestic violence, the violence of homelessness, and the hard-heartedness of those who do not listen to anyone else, let we servants listen to love's call that is never overcome. Rather, let us hear again some words of one of God's prophets of love and justice, Martin Luther King Jr. himself. Speaking of the, the power and the, the great depth and length to which love can go. Speaking in 1966 at the Illinois Wesleyan University and about the Greek words for love, so we know his context, he said, and then the Greek language comes out with another word. It is the word agape. Now agape is more than romantic love. Agape is more than friendship. Now agape is understanding creative goodwill for all. It is an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. Theologians would say that it is the love of God operating in the human heart. And when one rises to love on this level, he or she is able to love the person who does the evil deed while hating the deed that the person does. And he is able to love those persons even when he finds it difficult to like, for he begins to look beneath the surface. And he discovers that that individual who may be brutal toward him may be, and who may be prejudiced was taught that way, was a child of his culture. At times his school taught him that way. At times his church taught him that way. At times his family taught him that way. And the thing to do is to change the structures and the evil system so that he can grow and develop as a mature individual devoid of prejudice. And this is the kind of understanding goodwill that the nonviolent resistor can follow if he is true to the love ethic. And so he can rise to the point of being able to look into the face of his most violent opponents and say in substance, do to us what you will, and we will still love you. We will match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We will meet your physical force with soul force. And do to us what you will, and we will still love you. We cannot in all good conscience obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. And so throw us in jail, and as difficult as that is, we will still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children, and as difficult as it is, we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators and violence into our communities at the midnight hour and drag us out onto some wayside road and beat us and leave us half dead, and we will still love you. But be assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. And one day, we will win our freedom. But we will not only win freedom for ourselves. We will so appeal to your heart and your conscience that we will win you in the process. And our victory will be a double victory. This is the meaning of the nonviolent creed. This is the meaning of the nonviolent ethic, end quote. Or, 
as Paul said in exhorting Christians to love with agape, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. Never avenge yourselves. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Love that is behind, provocatively behind, nonviolent attempts to improve our cities, our state, our systems, and our world in the name of Christ Jesus, whose servants we are, can only help shine a light, God's light of healing and so much more. In the spirit of King, as part of a larger group, perhaps in partnership with Chicago's and the UCC's own Community Renewal Society, we could pay attention to what's happening to access to the polls and voting rights. What's happening to the increasingly wider income gap between the very rich and the working poor. What's happening in states preparing to hinder healthcare access to transgendered persons and an immigration policy or the lack thereof. Sometimes, fellow servants, when we listen and hear God speaking, when we hear God's love calling out to us, we share that love in our interpersonal and family relationships and our church relationships. We hold each other up. We take care of one another. Same with our community friendships and covenants and partnerships. And sometimes we share that love in righting some of the greater wrongs. And as scripture says, in seeking justice and pursuing it. Whichever way, in a smaller scale or a larger scale or something in between, whichever way, there, behold, is good news. And that's good news. Amen. Well, friends, I hope that my message uplifted your spirits some and uh, thought you some other ways of thinking about yourselves as servants of God, servants of Christ. I wanted to share with you, uh, first again, my gratitude for you listening and tuning in, but also, especially it seems appropriate on uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday weekend, anniversary weekend, that I share with you a benediction and this is actually called a Franciscan benediction, which tells me it comes from somebody who's a member of the Franciscan, you know, brotherhood. Um, and here it goes. This is how it goes. And this is my benediction to you today. May, and it's us. So it's really talking to, to me as well as you all. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that we may live from deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of God's creations so that we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war, so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them 
and to turn their pain into joy. And may God bless us with just enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in the world so that we can do what others claim cannot be done, to bring justice and kindness to all our children and all our neighbors who are poor. Amen. And to all of you, I say, may God bless you, and may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.